0: Hey, Ross, uh, you're in Toronto. There's a lot going on uh, with the Raptors right now. Is it something that you also are completely excited about? Because I know your city's going nuts. Or if not, uh, have you been able to avoid it as much as possible?
2: No, I'm actually a little bit sleepy today because I've last night's game ended at 11, but I was still sort of wired up, so it was hard to go to sleep. No, everyone has just gone crazy with it. I think it's also because... Toronto has not been, like, an amazingly winning sports city, and this is one of the few times that we've actually got something great going, so we're all happy about it.
0: Yeah, it's been, I mean, more than 25 years or so since since the city's won anything, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't repeat that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not a big basketball fan, but uh, my wife is, and I, I got caught up in it, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, around here we're we are rooting for the Raptors because uh Fred Van Vliet uh played for Wichita State and he's our local hero. So
2: Oh that's great. So we share something then. Yeah. Well let's hope in four games let's let's hope in a couple of games we're won it though. So
0: Yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh Kathy, I guess all you've got is the
1: Mariners. So no, we, we won't don't talk, talk about, about that. the Mariners yeah, yeah. I was at the game we were my husband and I were at the game last uh Friday, which was the one in the homestand they won. So oh, the crowd well, was nice. insane. It's like, something really <laughs> pathetic When you beat a lousy team and the whole stadium was erupting in cheers, but I think that's the high point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you take your joy where you can get it. Yeah, it's only
1: downhill from here.
0: Okay, uh, I'm kind of confused today. Uh, I've got a sentence here in front of me, and I don't really know what you're getting at with it. Um, The sentence is: "The girl walked to the exit," Uh, and uh, that seems pretty basic to me. what what are you guys doing?
1: <laughs> we were trying to be clever. <laughs> <laughs> trying. The, the. The, the. The and the. The and the.
0: So oh. That's the key. So, Fletcher, repeat, repeat the sentence. Yeah, let me say it again. The girl walked to the exit. Precisely. One is the. I hear myself saying, yeah, I, I hear myself saying that word, T-H-E, two different ways.
2: Right. Very good. You did. You said it the and you said it the. And this, the whole topic this today is really going to be rules of English that we unconsciously know, but we don't know as a conscious rule.
1: Yeah, it's rules you're not aware of, but you're following them. We know
2: what to say and why to say it and why it's wrong and why it's right. But we don't know it as a formal rule. In many cases, we don't even really learn it as a rule. And to speak... To be really careful about it. It's not really a rule. Usually it's a way of doing something that we normally do. You're not going to get caught by grammar police if you, if you do it wrongly.
1: Well, there really is no, the key is, if I can interject, there really is no right or wrong given that. It's just that th- it's the way things sound, like Ross said, it's, it sounds right this way. And you don't know why it sounds right, but you automatically do it.
0: Right. It's something, it's something that we do that maybe nobody ever told us to do, but, but we do it this way anyway. Mm-hmm. So in this case, is it that um, I'm saying the before a word with a consonant and the before a word with a vowel? Generally,
2: yes. That's the general rule. And, of course, English always has exceptions as well, which we can get into. For example, I'm going to ask you now to say um, a person re- regarding an MBA. He got MBA. Now,
0: say that. Like, John got... I, I mean, John got the, I guess, the MBA. Right.
1: But that but that's, would be it. But that start, that's a vowel sound. M. It, it's a
0: vowel sound, right? The eh. Yeah.
1: Because he's not saying John got... Sean got the big, mm, hey, <laughs> big, you know what I
0: mean? <laughs> Yeah.
2: Oh, it's technically a consonant, but it starts with there's a vowel sound in that case.
0: So it's really funny that you said that these are these are uh, rules that necess- we weren't necessarily ever taught. As we're talking about this, and I I had forgotten about this honestly, but as as we're talking about this, when I first got into radio, um, and I was uh, sort of learning how to be a better broadcaster from my supervisor, she specifically told me the before. A word with a consonant and the before a word with a vowel. I I mean, I had forgotten this, but now that now that we're talking about it, I specifically remember her telling me that. And I'm not I I, I mean, I figure I would have done done it properly before uh, properly, I guess, in quotation marks. But if she told me that, then I might have been I might not have been doing it properly the entire time.
1: Well, it's not uncommon to say it differently. I know when we were talking about this was a while back. I, I don't know why I asked someone about when they said the or when they said the, or someone else mentioned it. And a lot of times people do say they do it differently. And one thing is the big exception to the rule is when you're emphasizing something. Yes. You almost always say the, and that's why it's really big in songs, you'll notice, that even if it's in front of... Um, or actually, you sometimes do the opposite now that I'm thinking about it. Because I'm thinking of the Katy Perry song. She does the eye of the tiger correctly. But then she says, the one that got away.
0: But that is, a, it, that is kind of um, a, a consonant sound, though, right? Wh- one. Um. Yeah,
1: because it's a W. You're absolutely right. Exactly. It was
2: interesting. I, the, I looked at the Oxford English Dictionary, and they were talking about the thes and these, And they actually said there are four different kinds of T-H-E's pronounced. There's the before. there's the, the and then there's the there's a the before vowels, and then they also added Kathy's the as a uh, like as an emphasized non-reduced vowel, mm-hmm. and there's a the before consonants emphasizing it in a little different way. I mean, it's really interesting, but we don't really know. We just this guy actually started taping. The, the stresses and the, how long each the was pronounced and the i think was like 0.5 seconds 0.05 seconds longer than the it was just really interesting why do we
0: do this do you have any idea i mean other than it just makes it flow a little better
2: well i actually did a fair amount of looking on that i couldn't really find anything except for descriptions of how we do it so i can't mm-hmm. really answer it i think In terms of elision, I I think like, you know, obviously with a vowel, it sort of elides much better in English with a the than a the. But that's the only answer I could really come up with. Do you have anything, Kath, on that or
1: not? No, I couldn't find anything either. And I'm actually just thinking. I'm just I'm just trying to hear it in my head without thinking. And I I, I think it is the elision thing because it's like um, the one that got away the and then the apple, I I, I think it just flows out of my mouth, but I'm just, I don't, it must have something to do with tongue placement, is the only thing I can think of. Because I'm, I'm, when you say, try saying it, just try the apple and the apple and what makes your mouth happier. Sure, the the
0: apple. But the same would be true for something like the exit. I mean, the girl walked to the exit, you know? I mean The
1: exit or the exit. Yeah, the the exit. (laughs) Well, I think actually that's interesting that you brought that up, because When you pronounce it, when you really enunciate the exit, you really say the. Yeah. But when you do it, when you do it sort of slurry, like sloppily, like I would, frankly, it is more like the exit. The exit. I walked out of the exit. Can I
2: throw something in there when you said the exit, emphasizing the? They did a a study. Here we go. I mean, I love these guys doing all these, like listening and then studying it. They did a thing with the long the. And they said when you do a longer the, trying to emphasize something, there's a slight suspension in 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 the uh, sentence when we use when you, when we usually just say the is a normal thing. There's no real uh, difference. Let's cast that it lies into the other. But when we say the exit or the car, emphasizing this specific car, 81% of the times they listened to hundreds of people speaking. 81% of the times there was a slight pause. Thus, only had a 7% slight pause. So clearly the in English, when we do a long the, not just a short the, but a long the clearly is emphasizing something.
1: But now my question, Ross, is what is this, the fourth one? Because I, I know, I know of the, the first two, the the and the the we know, and then the the emphatic the I get, but this, I don't understand, I don't, I don't understand this fourth one. I'm very perplexed.
2: Okay, we have, uh, we have a the, or a lo- we have an elongated the as well. We're just looking at that. What it's a good question.
1: But what, what, when is that? I've never heard it.
2: Um hmm. or
1: Probably I have, but when do you use the? Unless you wanted to sound sort of dumb. The, I mean, <laughs> that's what i trying to figure it.
2: Oh, okay. I, I see it. There are just two, the, in British English, there are two thes. There's a slightly elongated
1: the. The car. It's just the OED being picky. Okay, yeah.
0: The only thing I could think of is if somebody were sort of affecting, um sort of, acting as if they were thinking hard about what they were saying. So um, they kind of elongate the the as if they were trying to think of the proper, correct word to use next.
2: I think that's brilliant. Yeah,
1: yeah, that makes sense. And Kathy
2: just did it a a while back just before you called Fletcher. She was going, uh, the, the, the... You did just it, did. It. You're so you're the, you're the exception that proves the rule here. <laughs> the fourth pronunciation, we have her right here. We have another rule that I just wanted to throw in, if it's okay with you guys, and that's this is a rule that we the rule is called ablaut duplication, which is a very fancy way of saying why do we say riff raff and not raff riff? Why do we say flim flam and not flam flim? <laughs>
1: <laughs> i love this or flip-flop because hip- when you say in the opposite way it's like take hip-hop hip-hop music saying hop hip music it's even hard to say
0: well even and you said flip-flop <laughs> i mean we don't say flop flip no
1: <laughs> no and when you say doesn't it sort of boing on your ear very strangely oh yeah absolutely
0: certainly yeah well so where i mean like where do those kinds of i mean they sound like just made up made-up phrases, made-up words. Where, I mean, where do those come from, and how did we... Wh- why is it that we don't say them the other way? Well, believe ever?
2: it or not, this has been the topic of much linguistic study. And there is a, a paper, a technical paper, called A Cross-Linguistic Study of Reduplication. And there are a whole slew of these papers that are trying to figure out why do we say shilly-shally, dilly-dally, and not dally-dilly, etc.? Let's start, though, basically with what reduplication is. Reduplication is its one of the first things we do in language. We call mom, mama, and dad, dada. And then we go on from there, and we get into basically... Uh, sounds that sounds sort of similar, like pitter-patter, splish-splash, etc.
1: Which is not, though, ablaut reduplication. No, it isn't. You're right. That's just basic That's that, reduplication. I want to make sure you make that clear <laughs> while we bore everyone with these linguistic terms.
2: <laughs> no, we don't want to go on. But then the one thing is that was noticed, as Kathy just pointed out, was ablaut reduplication is when we have a reduplication, but the vowel in the middle
0: changes, such as tick-tock.
1: And what you have, there's always a specific order of the vowels. It's I, A, then O.
0: That's exactly what I was just wondering, because I'm looking at all these examples, uh, thinking about everything that you've said, and, and all of them seem to have an I in the first word.
1: Uh-huh. But wouldn't you, you think that's sort of odd, because why not A, since A comes first in the alphabet? And then you, A, E, I, O, U, you know? Mm-hmm. But no, I, I is the leader. I is the king. And Ablauer Duplication. Yes,
2: they're, they're, but they're, we were looking at them. There are hundreds of them. Sing song, ding dong, king kong, ping pong, mishmash, <laughs> chit chat. They're all IA. It's really interesting.
1: Wishy-washy, tittle-tattle, tip-top. The thing that just, but I mean, I'm repeating myself, I know, but the thing that fascinates me is because you hear it, um, you can't, it doesn't, it sounds so wrong the other way that, that's one of those things that could trip up someone doing English as a second language or a third language or fourth language. Because why, as you asked, Fletcher, why? Why, why is it chit-chat, not chat-chit?
2: Okay, one theory is, and there uh, it was interesting because there was this huge debate about it, but one theory is that hip is a slightly higher, let's do hip-hop. The I in hip is a slightly higher tone than hop. So we kind of go up with our tongue, hip and then there's a slight down with hop. It, uh. We always do that. It's like a higher it opens with a higher note and it closes with a lower note.
1: It's like a song.
2: Yes, and hip is higher, the i is the highest. Hop is lower and then hop or hope or hoop would be even lower than that. So the i is highest, a is a little bit lower, o is lower. That's one theory.
0: It is interesting. I'm not 100% convinced though because if we if we say flimflam and we switch it around, we're probably going to say flam, flam right? We're going to mm-hmm. still have that higher sound first.
1: Flam flam?
2: Flam flam. You're, how Fletcher said it, the A is slightly higher, and that's really interesting because there were a bunch of uh, universities at, Ber- at Berkeley, there were several people who say that's not exactly the reason why we do have that switch. The problem is it gets so technical, I have no really, it gets, no one really has any idea why it happens. That's just one theory, but that's a good point, Fletcher. That said, we usually always do I-A-O.
0: Yeah, that, that part's really, really interesting to me, that there actually are specific sounds that have an order. Um, even if we don't know sort of why it developed that way, uh, We that, that rule, uh, such as it is, really kind of seems to be there and be pretty consistent.
2: I was just going to throw one thing in. There's a town in Egypt that always stuck in my head because it's called Zagazig. And it always hit me because it was always like instinctively I always go zigzag. That's wrong. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and it was on the train between Cairo and Alexandria, and I always go no, it's zigzag. It is
1: not... a fascinating thing. Oh, although I did want to say though with with again with sounds and this is what I was talking about before. You know, I I can't say like when you say uneffing believable or <laughs> ab effing absolutely no ab so i can't do it now without saying the word yeah don't say the word (laughs) i shouldn't say on air but that's another thing where if the sound is is there's like an unspoken rule of how it works and again it's it's the sound and the stresses
0: yeah no you're 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 right Uh, especially with absolutely which well even with unbelievable i mean they've got those multiple syllables but there is only one place where you put the effing
1: yeah, and 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 the, but then when you look at it, like you could put it elsewhere. I mean, technically, because I mean, there's enough syllables in there that you could put it somewhere else.
0: Right, you could, but you never do.
1: No, it's just very odd. Without trying, you put you always put um, the fu- you find with a syllable that has the most emphasis, like with absolutely, it's the lutely, and you put the effing or the whatever other word you want to put in there before that.
0: Ah, uh-huh, wow. And it's like you don't
1: learn that. I remember as a kid, there was a kid in um, high school who was able to like throw in effings beautifully. And I tried so hard to do it myself and I couldn't for the life of me figure it out. And now I know. (laughs) Um, What I was just going to say, we're going to in a second explain the rule of adjective order that you're not aware of. But there's one case where it doesn't apply and that's big bad wolf. And this is where the the sounds, the Ablaut reduplication comes in. You don't say bad big wolf, right? You say big bad wolf. Because, again, we do the long, the I, and, and the A, right?
2: But normally, as Kathy just pointed out, normally you would not say Big Bad Wolf. You would say Bad Big Wolf.
1: Why? Okay, there's an order that you tend to follow in, in English, an adjective order. And it goes, first you do the quantity or the number, then you do the quality of the opinion, you do size, age, shape, color, a proper thing like nationality, what it's made out of, and then a qualifier. So, normally the adjective order would have been the bad, because that's the quality or the opinion, and then the size, big, and then the wolf.
2: Or we could extend it even further and go the two bad, huge, <laughs> hot, <laughs> old, <laughs> round, gray, Swedish wolves. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what fascinates me. Okay, Fletcher, <laughs> pretend you're describing a person. Okay, you see a man. The man okay. is Australian. Okay. The man is tall. And the man is, um, what does it, it think of something else? smelly. Yes. How would you say it? So you've got an Australian guy who's tall and smelly.
0: Yeah, I would probably say that is a tall, smelly Australian man.
2: Okay, so let's, let's analyze this. Tall... Goes mm-hmm. into size,
0: so size, okay, right, and
2: then you said, smelly, right, okay, that's interesting. Uh, smelly Fletcher violated the rule.
0: I violated the ice Fletcher. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it should. It he should was
1: supposed to be smelly tall. <laughs> a smelly
0: tall. That that doesn't. That honestly, that just doesn't feel quite right to me. The one thing that's very clear is that Australian should be last. I mean, right. I would I would never say he's an Australian tall man.
1: I gotta say though, I agree with Fletcher. I do too. I would say the, the, the tall, smelly guy.
2: I completely agree with Fletcher. The tall, on smelly
1: now. Australian.
2: And that actually leads us to the point. This is not a rule written stone. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a general it's a general word order situation where it's not always rules are made to be broken and it's not always followed. But that does seem to be the general uh, pattern of how of how these things go. But I think in Fletcher's case, the smelly seems to make much more sense in that sense, which goes back to like why do we even have this order? And there have been a number of linguists who've tried to figure out why is this order done in this way? Why isn't it this way? Why is it that way? And one theory a long time ago, one of the premier linguists of uh, English language said it's the closer you get, the adjective gets more and more specific the closer you get to the noun. Which sort of makes sense. And then another guy said it really more goes to the fact of, like, what's really important? What's innate about that noun? And I guess in some senses, smelly...
1: Is more important than tall. That's what I'm just thinking this over. Because smelly so... Because technically it should be the smelly, tall Australian. I'm, I'm trying to figure out why that's wrong. even Because everybody says pretty much that even though this is not like cast in stone, almost everybody follows this order. And, and, and there, you know, there's myriad examples and there's no question. But this tall, smelly Australian, tall wants to come first.
2: Tall completely does.
1: Is it because it's one syllable?
2: But I'm wondering if it's that. But I'm also wondering, though, in this case, like, uh, and there was another theory that, like, what's really important about the uh, adjective, about the noun, comes closest. And in this case, I think smelly mm. is like a tall Australian sort of dull. A smelly Australian really hits me. So that's like right. in this sense, it's more important about the Australian is the fact that he's smelly,
0: not that he's tall. Yeah, there are plenty of tall Australians. <laughs> yeah,
1: but now see the problem I'm having though. Now, okay, now what about a quiet tall Australian? Tall, because technically it should be quiet tall. But again, I want it to be tall quiet Australian. I'm wondering if part of the issue is like the number if you added other adjectives because it's like the closer. The, okay, we're saying that the one closest to to the noun is the important one technically. So that he's tall, but if you want to emphasize quiet, it, it's just such an. The thing that fascinates me is I don't. I realize until you know recently, I never thought about it ever. I mean, like it never occurred to me that more often than not, I'm I'm am doing adjectives in a certain order. Usually, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny. There's enough blurring, as we've said. This is not hard and fast. But
2: we do instinctively know it. There was a really interesting study in 1971. Two psycholinguists put words together, and then they gave a test to people, and they said, put these in an order, rank them in terms of acceptability. And most of them did exactly the same order, or roughly the same order. And this guy's theory was, we go back to the thing that was intrinsic, as the adjective got more intrinsic or important as it got to the noun. and They used an example, my sister bought a wondrous blue-green Hawaiian gecko that is more correct to most people than my sister bought a Hawaiian blue-green wondrous gecko. And I guess the idea would be that the gecko being Hawaiian is important to that our identification of that gecko.
1: One thing that interests me... Is, is that they also say that it could be that um, the adjectives are more permanent, which reminds me of Spanish. Not to bring up another language, the difference between when do you use the uh, ser, the to be ser, as opposed to estar. And part of it is permanence versus temporal, something like impermanent. So like the, the, the fact that the, the gecko is Hawaiian, it will, that is, it, it's a very permanent thing. Of course he's Hawaiian. The wondrous is sort of an opinion. So it's not it's not as, as, as connected to the gecko
2: although i'm going to throw something right, right back at you here Kathy. I get ready you. <laughs> there was a study done with a big red blank uh, let's say let's say a big red cat versus red big cat 382 big red cat
0: zero red big the opposite
1: well, you can't even say red big well. I can't. <laughs> I know. It, it sounds so wrong. I refuse to ever say it.
0: No, it, feel, it feels so very wrong. And, and, you know, I mean, it goes back to everything that we've talked about. Uh, just what feels right and what, I mean, when you do it the other way or, or the quote unquote incorrect way, uh, it just feels wrong. The question I kind of have right now, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer it, is when someone is learning English, do they learn any of these as rules?
1: That's a very good question. I must say, I did find some cases, um, English as a Second Language um, courses and stuff, that did talk about it, because they're, they're, the emphasis is on conversational language, you want to sound right and be understood. So I did see cases of that where they are actually taught. But, I must say, that again, there the emphasis was on what sounds right. And I wonder because we're saying that this is pretty much a human thing as opposed to specific to the English language thing. we think it makes me wonder if they would do it correctly anyway mm.
2: That's what I'm I'm trying to think back at other languages I know and we're guessing that it's universal I don't I'd like to do some more research on that to see like is Arabic does Arabic work the same way or whatever I don't know I was looking at Latin just as we were talking to see how Latin works and I don't think I've ever really learned it in other languages.
1: But the one thing also is, is, is a lot of times the order also depends on what you want to emphasize. So, I mean, again, we go back to it's not a hard and fast rule, right? Like we go back to the Australian.
2: No, there is. But I mean, in some cases, though, we also get into different problems with adjectives, as Kath said. But sometimes there's a definite rule when adjectives are in a, uh, when they're in what's called an operator. For example, we can have a fake old coin or an old fake coin they mean two completely different things one is an old coin that's a fake the other one's an old coin i mean you know what i'm saying it's, they're two different words they're two <laughs> different meanings there i'm going to try it here the old coin we have a guy who made like a whatever i remember it used to collect coins a 1909 svdb penny was like the prize of pennies so he made an a fake he made a 1909 svdb painting but it's a pay, a penny but it's fake so that's fake old coin. An old fake coin is a guy in the made a uh, in ancient Roman times made a coin that he. Wait a minute!
0: No, no, I'm not doing it either. No, no, no. You, you're right. You you got it. the 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 fake old coin is something that's made now to look like an old coin, and the old fake old. coin right. is something that was made in ancient Rome. Uh, that's fake.
1: So again, we go back to the emphasis. Yeah. So like the fake old coin, the the old coin, it's a, it's the old coin is the unit, and it's a fake. And the other one, the fake coin, the, the adjective that's right in front of it is the key. It's a fake coin, and it's old. Right. So it's like almost like you can have a compound noun. Old coin is. I know it's not, but we can say old coin is the compound noun, and fake is describing it. And then fake coin is a compound noun at oldest subscriber. That's well said. And the Australian tried to sell it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it is interesting. I'm sure that we could come up with many more examples of these uh, unwritten rules. Uh, that we that we follow, I guess most of the time. All of them have exceptions, of course. Uh, it's not, it, you know, it's it's not nice and tidy. Um, it's it does. We don't resolve everything with a nice little bow. Uh, I'm someone who likes open ended uh, um, resolutions. Uh, say to television shows. I loved the ending of The Sopranos. I know a lot of people prefer uh, that the things are tied up uh, very nicely at the end with no loose ends. But I, I really like it when when. Everything isn't nice and tidy.
1: Well, English is never nice and tidy. We've established (laughs) established
0: that, that, yes, 100%. Right. This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross Petras's newest book, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means, at your local independent bookstore. Kathy and Ross have written a lot more. They're always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandarpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. Oh, and one more thing, or kind of five more things, maybe? We talked, of course, about the versus the, and Ross brought up that there are apparently four different pronunciations depending on when they're used, and obviously we had trouble dealing with that fourth one. Anyway, I looked up the word on the Oxford English Dictionary's website, and while I still can't really explain any of it other than the three instances we discussed—before a consonant, before a vowel, and as emphasis— The entry does offer five distinct pronunciations, though much of it is the distinction between British pronunciation and American pronunciation. But check this out. When the comes before a consonant, the OED says the British pronunciation is the. The. Sounds fine. The American pronunciation is this. The. Seems just a little bit weird. Listen again. British. The. American. The. 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 Almost a slight ah sound in the American one? I don't know. Maybe. When it's said before a vowel, there's just a very, very subtle difference. Here's the British. The. And now the American. The. British. The. American. The. 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 It's very slight, but the American one might have just a sliver of a longer E sound, and maybe just the hint of an S sound in there. Just a little wisp of one. Okay, that's four pronunciations. The fifth one also comes before a vowel and only in British English, and I was really a bit surprised by this one. The. Again. The. And again. The. I even have a hard time saying that one out loud. It seems to work way better when it comes before a consonant. I can't even get it out when I try it before a vowel, but the OED says before a vowel. I'm going to have to listen pretty closely the next time I'm watching Killing Eve or a Mike Lee movie or something. I want to hear this one in the wild. The, 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 the.